I have uh, two or three fingers of bullet whiskey. Hey, this is K12 Tech Talk. In this episode, episode 16, Corey is unexplainably absent. So we have a special guest, Jason. He's from a much larger district than Chris and I. And we talk about the struggles that he had with COVID-19, his cool VDI setup, we also talk about some E-rate deadlines for 470 and 471s that were announced today, when Wednesday, December 23rd. We talk about esports and capture the flag events and how they give students another avenue to compete. Have a le- listen. All things technical in K-12. This is K-12 Tech Talk Podcast with Josh... Chris and Corey. Hi, and welcome to episode 16, the Christmas edition of K12 Tech Talk. Uh, Today, Chris and I are here to discuss all things tech in K12. Corey is a deadbeat and had to babysit his He's out. So he is out (laughs) today. But we have a guest, um, Jason. We'll just call him Jason. He is from another school in Missouri, quite a bit larger than Chris's, Chris and I's school. Uh, Jason, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit of generic information about your school district so we don't identify who or where you are. No, thanks for having me. This is, this is an honor. Um, we are a, a, an affluent suburban school district, about 17,000, roughly 17,000 students, um, primarily Windows and Chromebook based, although we do still have some pockets of, of Mac across our district. Um, we have a dedicated on-site data center, um, enterprise class data center. And so um, we, you know, I, I like to say that we, we operate as much of an IT infrastructure as, as any of the corporate companies in our area. Cool. Yeah. 17,000 kids is, is quite a stark difference from Chris and I. I think we both have right around 3,000 kids, right, Chris? I'm 2,000. Oh, you're 2,000? I thought you were closer to us. So yeah, we're at, right at 3,100, I believe. Um, but with that said, you you see the same things that we see, and you're doing many of the same um, initiatives that that Chris and I are, but just on a much larger scale. And one thing that that you are doing that we'll we'll get you to talk about a little bit later is uh, your VDI setup. But first, let's um, there's some E-rate information that came out. I got an email this morning. Did you guys see this? Um, the 471 application filing window has been announced. Josh, I'm on holiday, so I don't check oh. my email. <laughs> well, technically, I should say I'm on holiday as well. It's uh, midday Wednesday, and I and uh, one of the few days off this year that we've had. So, um, so yeah, USAC announced the 471 application filing window opens January 15th at noon Eastern time, um, and will close on March 25th at. 11:59 Eastern Time PM. So the that that all, that does a few other things. That also sets a uh, deadline, I guess, if you will, for submitting a 470. If you need to submit your 470, or if you're going to submit a 470, you have to do that by February 25th of 2021 to allow for the 28 day uh, window, a uh, bid window. So 470, and so then that also means that 471s can be filed no later than March 25th. So the 471 window opens January 15th. 
Um, and so that sets the 470 deadline of February 25th and the 471 deadline of March 25th. Uh, Chris, have you had any responses on your 470s? I've had probably, I think, three or four emails asking me questions because um, we're going for some access points. And we mentioned before uh, about the 470 asks what uh, you would like or what your preferred thing is, whatever right. that, 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 that question was. Uh, so we are all Aruba. Uh, so I know I had somebody from Meraki uh, asking if we would flatter Meraki. And if, I believe it's if, pronounced if, Meraki. Meraki. <laughs> Meraki. Yes. We say it Meraki down here. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, just to see if I would flatter that uh, at all, okay. or if I had had any prior experiences with it. Uh, and then we were doing some, uh, our fiber stuff, our internet, stuff is one of those 470s so i had some questions about about that as well jason have you guys uh released any 470s yeah so we're going out for internet service um for our district and it's we've gotten a, we've gotten a few questions back mainly about the growth we anticipate over the next three to five years so we currently have a five gig pipe Jeez. and we're looking at going up to uh look, looking up going looking at going to two five gig pipes so that we have a total of 10. And then um, trying to trying to extrapolate what that growth is going to be over the next three to five years has been a was a challenge. But uh, you know we tried to put together some calculations of probably about a five percent growth um, in the next three to five years. So, so are when you say two five gig pipes, do you mean from different carriers or one carrier? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we are looking for two different carriers. Ideally, what we want to do originally was we started it started out as a DR project. Like, what happens right now? We've got one pipe. What happens if that provider yeah. goes down? Mm -hmm. Having internet's no longer like a oh, well, we can be down for a day or two while while people rerun fiber. Um, so we are actually looking at dual pipes from different providers so that we can then manage traffic between the two pipes. And if one goes down move up, move our operations over to the other pipe. Sweet. Um, would you util, utilize both uh, concurrently? So would you round robin the traffic or would you say use, use pipe one from, you know, carrier XYZ until it's 75% full and then drop over to pipe two? Or would you say just randomly pick a pipe for outbound traffic? I would say, and we're still trying to figure that part out. Um, but kind of where my mind is at is that we would primarily use that one pipe for 75%, let's say 75% of the traffic, yeah. but that'd be our primary internet traffic pipe, but then segregate maybe some, um, specific operational, uh, other operational, um, functions over to that secondary gotcha. pipe, um, that, that would hopefully that we, we don't want to interfere that we don't want any interference with, or we don't have to worry about. Yeah. So we, I think I've talked about our, our issue. We were DDoSed one time. Well, more than one time. And 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 didn't it, it end up being your son? No, it was not my no. My son would be <laughs> no, that would not have happened. Um, it was not my kid. I heard um, different. But it would have been nice to have a, a secondary carrier in an event like that just because of the you know, that that one pipe, if they're able to fill up the one pipe as part of the DDoS, yeah. then it it would roll over. I know there are several schools in our area that are doing that now. And that it that is a very attractive idea, 
I kind of wonder, so our 470s are out. I really was starting to get worried because I wasn't having many replies to any of our 470s and my window actually could have closed this pat uh, today. Um, so it was like deadline and, and I hadn't really seen many responses. I, this morning I opened, I'm not in the office, so I really haven't checked my mail and I, I got in at about noon to look for something. And I had like 15 responses today from different companies. I'm like, <laughs> oh, great here. We, and that's, you know, we talked about that last week. That's always the fun, fun quotation marks, fun part right. of the four seventies is opening up all these bids and comparing apples to apples and making sure we, I did get a really interesting uh, response back for our internet pipe. Uh, we currently have a gig. We're looking at going up to two um, those prices are very attractive. It seems like from, from everybody that's responded. So it's, if, if you're going out for internet, the prices are just unbelievable compared to what they used to be. Um, so yeah, if, if that's, that's the E-rate talk, if those deadlines have been announced. So if you're, uh, going to release a 470, you need to be doing it before late, late February. Hey, um, let me ask this question. Go ahead. When you have a contract on your internet connection, do you then skip that 470 while that thing's under contract or do you go ahead and do one every year? No, you, you can skip that contract. Is that uh, or what, I'm sorry, is that you can you skip do? the 470. Yeah. So the last three years we've been under a contract with a, with a carrier and, and we put that in, in the, in the first year of the contract, when we made the 471, it asks you if it's a contract, what are the begin and end terms or begin and end dates of that contract? Um, so, say it's a three-year contract years two and three you don't have to submit a 470 because you're under contract that's already been bid out however you do have to submit a 471 every year right for the monies that will be required to pay for that internet access um, yeah we just engaged an e-rate consultant for the first time ever for us and um they explained what they explained to us exactly josh what you were explaining about how to how the, the manage the three and five year contracts and what we have to file and we don't have to file. Yeah, we we had a consultant um, and then cost went up and it we really weren't getting as much out of it as I guess we could have. Um, so we dropped them. And I've been doing it myself for the last five years or so. Uh, probably not that long, three years maybe. Chris, you've always done your own, right? Yeah. So and and that that that's why I asked that question too. So I guess I've been doing it for like fifteen years. And who taught me, like when, when, when I came in, and it was my previous school district, when I came into that position, uh, the guy that had been doing it, he was still on staff. So he taught me all things E-rate. Uh, so I have always, more out of, because I always have, whether or not I'm under contract for our internet connection, I've always applied. A 470? Uh, a 470. Hmm. And then somewhere uh, in the midst of that, uh, you know, I realized I learned, I was told whatever, what, exactly what you just said. But then I realized charter and all, all those boys, whoever you're under contract with, they sweat a little bit when you do a 470 uh, <laughs> because they don't know what you're doing. So then I've always still done it uh, out of that as well. Interesting. Uh, Keep on the but, toes. Then, but then I think about, I think I'm doing more work for myself. Yeah, you are. Because like I just told you, I had whatever, four or five emails. Those emails would not have happened had I not applied for that 470. Right. Uh, but I think I do it mostly out of, oh, it's how I've always done and I'm not going to change, like, because I'm becoming an old man. Man, get, <laughs> get off my lawn. Get the way off I my like lawn. It. Yeah. 
Well, we'll take a uh, just a quick segment to talk about somethingcool.com. They're our awesome sponsor that sponsors this show every time we want to do it. Seems like uh, it's weekly here the last couple of weeks. Jeremy over at somethingcool.com would love to win the opportunity to have a chat with you about what your upcoming projects are and to see if that fits into what somethingcool.com can provide. Give sales at somethingcool.com an email and see what all they can do for you. They are, we did a uh, server upgrade and they won that. They'll be doing that in January. Didn't you just get new server, new couple years and then, you know, COVID cares, stuff happens and. Wow. So you, can you say what you got, what you're getting? Nutanix. Oh, Jason. Nutanix. Yep. <laughs> Chris, yes. Chris going with Nutanix. So he, stuff. you have, hey, we're all, we're all drinking things. Let's talk about what we're drinking today. Okay. I have, uh, I have, uh, two or three fingers of bullet whiskey. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm not at work. It's a vacation day <laughs> and it's one Oh eight in the afternoon. So I'm, it, I'm in the clear. It's bullet. You don't have to make any excuses. Right. So I got a, uh, soda stream for Christmas. So, Corey, if you're listening, I made homemade Red Bull, and I'm thinking of you. Let me get a good sip. What what flavor Red Bull? Be, being the healthy IT guy, uh, out of my, Mo, my MoTech Talk uh, mug, oh. I'm drinking. It's a combination of Diet Mountain Dew and cranberry juice. Nice. You know, he when I text him, he went and dug that cup out so he could <laughs> right. Yeah. I haven't used that since 2017. Yeah. <laughs> So speaking speaking of say, no tech talk, yeah, we can talk just really quick about Midwest Tech Talk, uh, the planning committee, which Jason uh, is is also a part of that planning committee. Uh, we met, I guess that was last Friday. Uh, nothing formal to announce, but we're planning on announcing things formal in January, assuming that the world is still the world and things are looking up still. Uh, Midwest Tech Talk currently planned for July 19th and 20th. There will be a kickoff event on Sunday, the 18th. Uh, and the scuttle is that we're looking at doing it blended where you can come in person or join us online. But That's we called will know that for sure in January. Synchronous, right? That's the term in education right now. Synch synchronous. Synchronous, synchronous learning. Yeah, because yep. asynchronous is like a recorded event that they can go back and watch later. Synchronous is real time. No, you're... Yeah. No, your education's good at that. Yeah, pedagogy, <laughs> right? Meraki, oh my goodness. So, Chris, last year, right, right as the pandemic was hitting full swing, you had a super spreader event at your, or uh, you hosted a super spreader <laughs> event with, with esports. Um, you're doing this again. Would you like to talk about that? Yeah. So, at uh, our high school last and year, to be clear, no one was infected there. That's just and we had hand sanitizer and the whole bit. So at our high school, uh, we had an eSports tournament. We invited six schools. Uh, they did Rocket League. Uh, and then while that was happening, I think we ended up with like 20 schools came. Uh, we did like a job fair thing as well. So you had these different colleges there, uh, these different companies there that were either into technology uh, or it was like local uh, businesses from our area that were just you know, wanting to say what they were up to. Uh, but what it, it, it absolutely was crazy because it was the day uh, that like COVID-19 became real. Yeah, like the, I, yeah, yeah, like 
what what sports uh was it was that nba hockey probably everything was hitting like every everyone was looking down at their phones during the event yeah uh, and there was tons of people and i remember the the local newspaper they were doing an interview and they're talking to me and then they they were asking me questions about our cleaning icing <laughs> and i was like oh no this is going to be a terrible spin but all that was fine we had the kids use hand sanitizer before they went uh, up to the computers uh so anyway we are doing that again in march uh on the 16th but just uh with the six schools an evening event limited seating so we can do social distancing and all that good stuff so that we can keep the tournament uh alive and we're probably going to allow some remote uh entries as well so you don't have to come on site that that'd be cool i know we talked to a school or somebody asked you last week about the remote thing if their school could join remotely um i think that opens up that type of event to to a much wider spread uh, jason yeah. you guys have e-sport at your school very we don't currently but very similar story to what chris just told right we were getting everything geared up in late february early march we had a, an on-site event in March, it was a Rocket League tournament. I had reached out to Chris to get some advice from him on how they were structuring it. And it was a great event and the kids loved it. And I've, I've already been receiving email about whether we're gonna do our event again in March. Cool. Um, but we were looking at, we were moving forward. We had visited Columbia Public Schools um, in Columbia, Missouri, which has a really robust esports program. So we, were, we had visited with them. We're looking at modeling their program in our high schools. And we're getting ready to set everything, get everything going and set up when, when of course, the world shut down and kind of delayed all of our projects. But that's that's on my wish list for as soon as the world returns to normal is to get our eSports program up and running. We found out through the grapevine that some of our students were already participating with some of the Columbia students, just kind of oh. like in practices for uh, League of Legends was the game that they were playing. And that's, that's cool. But uh, it's, you know, it's, it's inevitable. I mean, I've actually had college recruiters reach out to me asking me if I was aware of any of students in our district that were really into esports. Um, so colleges are looking for kids, and um, I, you know, I just view it as that inevitable thing that we need to get off the ground. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I've I've had probably I don't know two or three discussions a year with the high school principal, and I have at least one faculty member and actually one guy in my office that would love to be like the sponsor slash coach of, of an esports team. It's unfortunately, there's just, the year has been so weird that it's, it's one of those things that's not, not a key thing to focus on right now. Unfortunately, I don't know how else to put that. Right. That's, it's definitely on our radar. We, we definitely want to try and get something like that started. Chris, last year, I, I came down to your event with our athletic director and um, I don't, there was somebody else. I don't remember who it was, but we we had a good time. It was fun watching the kids. And you know, you had you had Corey walking around strutting like king on campus because one of he he's a coach of his school's team, and one of his players was like offered a, a scholarship that day or something, yep. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, that for sure. I mean, there was absolute follow through with that. I I know that 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 student was offered a scholarship, and we just had at our school district. Uh, and I don't know the game, and I and I actually don't know the college offhand, but I know that uh, we had a student offered a scholarship to be a part of a team, uh, and they're going to do the whole. You know, we always do a deal where the the athlete typically sits at the table with mom and dad and the yeah. coaches and stuff behind them for the that's cool 
for papers and uh, pictures and stuff. That's going to happen for this student. Uh, that's awesome. It came, it came from esports. Yeah, that's how real it is. Like, like uh, Rick's just said, the inevitable. It's going to happen. Okay, it didn't happen in 2020, uh, but it's it's coming because it's real. That that's one really of, cool. One of my favorite esports stories to tell, and I'll keep this short, but I think it it resonate. It's always resonated with me is that our event. It, it's a rock. It was a Rocket League event. So in theory, teams are three on three, three cars against three cars. One of the teams had four members, and that fourth person they called their manager. And so it was the three competitors and their manager and watching the manager during the competition was really interesting because he took his job very, very seriously. When the team sat down, he made sure that a, all their equipment was plugged in correctly. He made sure they all had their individual settings, unique settings for their, for their gameplay. Hmm. He, he watched all of them play and was giving them feedback or analysis of what they, what he saw the other team doing. Um, I mean, he fulfilled every, everything you could imagine a manager being for a team, whether a sports team or, or any type of a, a competitive event, he was fulfilling that role. And it was really neat to see that happening with this group of, with this really kind of thrown together competition and informal event. Um, but, you know, then you start thinking about, it's not just playing video games here. You got a guy doing strategy coordination, he's helping the team. And then, right. you know, it just starts building out that you could, you could really have a robust esports program that develops a lot of skills within kids, not just playing video games. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Chris, do you guys have managers on your teams? I don't think we do. I know that they have like an A team and a B team, uh, but I don't think we have managers. Right now we have like two teachers that do it. And then uh, one of the guys in the tech department, those are the adults that are leading it. But I don't, I've not heard them talk about student managers before. I think, I believe Misha, I don't know whether they actually got the vote in, but in the spring, they were supposed to vote on esports. Um, and I think they still have it categorized as an emerging sport. I don't think they've officially sanctioned it yet. But I think that's, we're expecting that to come. So something else, uh, another student type uh, event or, or competition that is starting to gain steam are Capture the Flag events. In Missouri, the consortium here in Missouri, Mornet, they are hosting a free Capture the Flag event for all of their member schools. The school that I'm at, we've entered three teams. My son is on one of the teams with two of his buddies. Because didn't uh, he do that attack on you guys? No, Chris, he didn't. Um, <laughs> so it, I, I find those types of things, that type of um, event, really cool because that gets those kids really immersed and, and interested in cybersecurity type white hat hacking type stuff, blue team, red team type stuff. Jason, you guys are using, um, oh, what's the service you guys are using? We do um, the Cyber Patriot yeah, competition, yeah. which is sponsored by the Air Force. Um, we have three, uh, no, we have four teams. Um, and actually I'm, I'm the coach and sponsor for, the, for our team. So we've got four teams and it's not necessarily capture the flag. It's more of a, uh, I guess what am I, blue team exercise. So really? yeah, each team has three images. Usually it's an Ubuntu image, a Windows workstation image, and a Windows server image. And they've got six hours to patch and secure, harden essentially all three of those images. Wow. And they get points, they accumulate points for um, each each vulnerability that they they find and patch or fix. It's not, always, it's not just patching, but like running updates, you get points. Yeah. Um, removing excessive uh, user rights, you get points. 
Cool. And then there's also a Cisco networking component too that you get. Um, there's a forensic component, a Cisco networking component. And I'm proud to say one of our teams um, is one of the top teams in the nation right now. And Holy so cow. we're looking at, we've got round three coming up in, at the end of January, and we're looking at the potential of going to nationals in March. So wow. it's, it's really neat. And, you know, if, if you overlook the fact that it's a great recruiting tool for the Air Force uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to get, right. find out who's, who's, who's really smart in uh, yeah. cybersecurity, right. the, the, boy, the, the kids love it. I mean, they really, really get into it. And, and it's been a really great experience for me. And like you said, Josh, watching them get excited about cybersecurity, get excited about this and knowing how much it's going to benefit them when they go into college or in their right. career. So do they, I know esports that can, that'll be streamed on Twitch or some, some sort of streaming service. Jason, do they stream the cyber Patriot events? Is, is that streamable or? No, yeah. no, really okay. it's not. Um, and they're really, because they're getting, um, they're really strict, really, it's, it, they're really strict about being, it's very, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, confidential. Like, I have to keep the team separated. They're not allowed to interact at all. Oh, wow. we, we, we have to load the image, we use the image, and then we have to delete the image as soon as the round is over um, due to licensing purposes. Hmm. So, so it, it's all kept very, very, very strict rules around it. So the image is installed or, or put on a machine local on your network then? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. That's kind of cool. So, now, yeah. is that is that Cyber Patriot? Is that a do you guys have to pay a subscription for that, or is the Air Force footing that bill? No, we do. There's a team enrollment fee. Okay. That, that we pick up, and so um, I actually pick up the cost for enrolling the teams as part of my uh, as part of my program budget. Okay. So, um, and then uh, flip that put that under the the cybersecurity budget item in my annual budget. Sure. No, that that's really cool. That's another one yeah. of those student competition things you're you're hitting a, a subset of population that may not be in, involved in football basketball cross country whatever you know that they, they now have a a sport if you will or an event if that they can be super involved in and you know if your team's one of the nationally ranked teams that's going to be some notoriety there they're going to get yeah. some attention and outside of the and so then outside of the formal competition the club itself we try to do events in the schools throughout the year so once again, what's the greatest, what's the best tool for cybersecurity is, is awareness. And so we try to do awareness events um, with students and staff members around the district during the, when we're not in the competition season. Hmm, that's really cool. So, yep. So we hinted earlier uh, when you were talking about your environment, Jason, your data center and, and your servers and stuff. <clears throat> you have something in your environment that um, not a lot of K-12s, K-12 school districts have. Um, and when I heard that you guys had it, I was pretty impressed and I, I, I wanted to hear more about it. So I talked to you and Julian about it. Um, tell us about your, your VDI setup that you guys have, what you're using it for, where you see a uh, potential growth for it. And, and if there's been any shortcomings or change in strategies for it. Well, the, the a pandemic has been the greatest uh, growth uh, <laughs> for growth. Um, so we, like a lot of school districts, we have our business and tech ed environments, and we kind of have them, we've always had them on a shorter refresh cycle um, because they're doing more of that high-end AutoCAD, Adobe right. type work. And at the same time, we're moving everybody, all of our students to Chromebooks, once again, like a lot of other school districts. And so we were seeing that kind of division of um, 
the specialized work having to be done in very expensive labs while we continue to with this very expensive project of moving kids to Chromebooks. And so it was, we took undertook our VDI project as a way to try to uh, reduce the gap between those two environments. And so we went in with the idea that, why are we doing this? Well, we don't, we want to provide kids the opportunity to do this work, tech ed, business ed work, anywhere they want, not at a specific time in a specific room, and really kind of untether them from those business labs or tech ed labs. Right. So that was our motivation behind doing it. Um, and so we found a really great partner that we've worked with, we worked with on some previous projects and started conversations with them around it. And so went through all the, all the planning and iterations. And so we ended up going with uh, a Dell EMC server solution, um, built it on VMware Horizons. And so now we're delivering um, our, all of our Adobe Suite, AutoCAD, anything that's delivered through uh, TechEd PLTW in the high school, as well as you know, your, your multimedia or journalism classes, uh, not journalism, but uh, multimedia, Adobe Suite, those types of things. We're delivering through VDI to our students' Chromebooks or really whatever computer that they can load the, yeah. the VMware Horizons uh, client onto. Um, it's been a it's been a learning experience. We've had we've had ups and we've had downs. Um, we've had to we had to troubleshoot some issues and things like that. But I think uh, the most part, the experience has been very positive. How many kids do you have using that on average? Do you know? So we scaled it. Um, we scaled it for 600 concurrent users, okay. which is a lot. Yeah. Um, so what we did is we, we went across, we looked at the classes that we envisioned using uh, the VDI, and then we looked at the enrollment in those classes across the district at, for one period. So what's the yeah. max amount of students right. we would have in one period using, and we scaled it to that. Um, and that's a lot. I mean, 600 concurrent users all pulling off of a, a you know, server, your server environment is, uh, it taxes it a bit. Well, and, and um, not just doing, not just connecting and using, but those are high-end applications that require a good bit of processing power, a good bit of memory. So yeah, your, your infrastructure cost. So do you know your per, I don't, per seat? So if you say 600 concurrent use in use, what's that come out to per per use? Do you know your cost? I don't. Okay. I don't. I, I know. <laughs> well, it's you just one of those. You can't put a number on students getting an education, Josh. No, you're right. You're absolutely right, Chris. It's it's one of those things that I know VDI is, it can be crazy expensive. The hardware can be crazy expensive. But like you said, Jason, if you look at how many labs would that technically replace? Oh, uh, 30 or more? Yeah. Oh, yeah. At least that. So, um, you know, you're getting away from that life cycle right. of replacing machines every three years, if you're lucky, that would cost no. two grand a piece, you know. And, and, and you know, Chris, I liked Chris's comment. I mean, before before COVID, I would say I was more worried about what was our cost per student. Yeah. And then, then COVID hit and schools shut down and our business and tech ed departments really didn't skip a beat. Um, that's awesome. And so that's where I go. All of a sudden that value, yeah. the value of VDI shot through the roof because yep. how, you know, how, how would you have done CAD programs on Chromebooks from home? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not even, not even feasible. 
um, Adobe Suite. Now, is it the perfect environment on an 11-inch Chromebook? You know, you're doing, you're designing CAD programs. No, but you can still do it. Yeah. Do you, um, think, do, do, do you think the kids take to it well? Like what user, what, like what, what is the biggest issue that you have? Do you, like, do you think it's a high school kid figuring out how that world's going to work? Is that, is that a big issue or do they no, push through it's it okay? never the, it's never the kids, it's the adults. <laughs> and that's what I figured. <laughs> and, and, you know, hindsight, if I was going to do something different, we would have spent more time doing prep work and, with our teachers yep, and building sure. an understanding uh, of, of, of VDI and how it works and the benefits and things like that. Well, um, like you're taking I mean, these teachers that are probably, I know in my district, they would be the teachers that had computers first. Like, right. Yeah. These, yeah. So, sometimes these are your oldest teachers that have been teaching business tech for forever and you just flip their world upside down. Well, that's it. I mean, those teachers are amazing teachers. I mean, and yep. they're doing, they've done great things for num amazing things for a number of years. And like you said, we, we shift, it's a paradigm shift. I mean, really we completely shifted their world. And, and that's why I, I own that. I should have done more prep work with them around the understanding of VDI and what it can do, what it can and can't do. Yep. Um, you know, if you're rendering, if you're rendering a 40 minute premiere a video in premiere pro, no matter how great your VDI is, it's not going to be exactly the same as yeah. right there on the local workstation. Yeah. Um, now, is it unman? Is it unusable? No, not at all. It does it actually does it a lot better than I thought it would. But there is a difference. That would, that would love, be that would be really cool to have. Yeah, it, I would love to kill off our Adobe Windows Lab and yeah. So let me. I want to Office and Adobe are the two you know last stands with. Windows desktop. You could do Office 365 students. on Chromebooks now, Chris. Oh, man. Like I said last week, Minecraft, baby. <laughs> so the one word of warning I would throw out to anyone watching this is considering VDI is licensing. Sure. The setup is a nightmare. NVIDIA licensing is a night. NVIDIA, if you're watching this, your licensing structure is a nightmare. That was our biggest huh. issue was licensing the GPUs and getting the GPU licensing to function as it was supposed to. Um, Interesting. And that was that was our that almost it almost killed the project really wow. because our VDIs were coming up, everything the kids were getting in, everything was rocking, but the NVIDIA licenses weren't getting the, the GPU licenses weren't getting assigned. And so imagine trying to run anything with no graphic with no GPU power. Right. And and it was hit and miss. It was random. It was assigning some licenses to people, not assigning to others, and it was just that was that was the one major hiccup outside of our control that we really really struggled with and so well we know the the major tech names listen to this podcast so you'll probably be getting a letter <laughs> or a call next week jason <laughs> and we didn't tell jason this but so the 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 podcast we just lost audio. nvidia yeah we just lost nvidia as a sponsor <laughs> sponsor <laughs> but the podcast is audio only but we 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 do webcams and we can see each other yeah we do that because of Corey's face, like we don't <laughs> think the world is ready for video. They can hear him breathing. That's all they need. <laughs> but we've talked about doing some video stuff soon as well. Yeah. Well, once you get the licensing worked out, the NVIDIA <laughs> GPUs are amazing. <laughs> all right. It's, it's the licensing piece. So that that recovered. We, we Hopefully we'll get NVIDIA back as a sponsor <laughs> now. Um, so pandemic, we've, we've talked about this till we're blue in the face, um, but I really don't, I don't want to get deep into it with, with Chris and I, but Jason, you, you are a different environment. You have 
a bunch more kids, five times as many kids, uh, more than five times as many kids as than, than what I have. What, what has been your number one pinch point for the pandemic? I, or were you guys one-to-one before? Do your kids, what, what percentage of your kids have broadband access at home? Um, I know Chris and I struggle with a certain population of our kids that don't have internet access at home. Um, what, what were your big obstacles through the last nine months? So we were, when COVID hit, we were still two years out from being complete one-to-one. So oh, we wow. had basically, we had K through K through 10 were completed in one-to-one, uh, but we didn't have 11 and 12 completed because we started at lower grades and then let, allowed mm-hmm. our one-to-one to push up. Um, and so out of, you know, out of necessity, we had to come up with two grade levels worth of Chromebooks for them to, for students to use. To complete basically complete our one-to-one in about a two-week period. Wow. And so we went in um, to all of our buildings and essentially, uh, I guess, eminent domain, we, uh, <laughs> we, 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 we reclaimed any available Chromebook and we centralized all of our district IT operations. So as opposed to being building-based, we made it, we, we brought everything oh. back to a central hub, yeah. inventoried it, and started distributing that. And we were able to cover those two grade levels going into the spring and, and the summer closures. And so that was, I was really proud of my team. They did an amazing job pulling that together. Um, and we had support from everyone in the district. No, we didn't have any departments stop us and say, whoa, 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 those are our Chromebooks. You yeah. can't take those. Um, everybody was on board about getting students access. The, the biggest pain point I think we've had is like a lot of districts, we asked the, we asked the yes, no question. Do you have internet at home? Yeah. Yes or no. And what we found out was it's not a yes or no question. There are a lot of kids that have internet at home that's not very good internet. And so as we went into distributing hotspots to provide equity of access, we found out that we were getting a lot of supplemental internet requests for hotspots to supplement internet. Hmm. And I actually visited one of these, I visited a family um, in the last month help troubleshoot an issue and they had a hotspot, but mom kept also saying that they had home internet. And so I ran a speedtest.net and their home internet was horrible. Like, I don't, I don't know how this student would have ever done a zoom. And then I ran the same hotspot. I ran the same speed test on our hotspot that we provided. And it was more than 15 times faster than their home internet was. And so that's troubleshooting those types of issues when students are expected to get on zoom for that synchronous learning with the teacher and you're seeing in your zoom logs that this kid is getting dropped and kicked off and back on kicked off and back on um you realize how inadequate a lot of home internet access really is and so it's no longer just how do we provide access for those kids that don't have internet access how do we provide internet access for those kids that really just have bad internet access at home well, um, and and the other, I think the the second part of that question is, how in the world does the district or your department or my department or Chris's department troubleshoot those issues when they come up? Because I, I know the first three weeks of school, we we had as many tickets, help desk tickets in the first, I think it was month and a half of school than we had the entire last school year. And the yeah. majority of those were from parents in our elementary building who hadn't yep. really touched devices before, hadn't done online learning before with Seesaw. And just just the idea of turning on a Chromebook, logging into an application, getting it connected to the web, that was just 
too much. It, yeah. That so that our our support plan completely changed. You know, we we went from supporting people on site to almost all phone support of parents at home or sometimes grandparents at home. Um, yeah, you 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 take a a grandpa that in 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 2019, you know, he's he's raising up his grandson, and then it's like, you know, did you have breakfast? Get on the bus. You know, did you do your homework? Do you have your backpack? And now grandpa is also trying to troubleshoot internet access and right. then, you know, your Chrome, like the, the kid's Chromebook, like, yeah. And then that's a, that that's a, a new tech problem that we didn't have before. Well, I've never what, talked, I've never talked to moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas uh, like I have in the last year. No. And I would, Chris, I'd completely agree with that because yeah, I mean, I've had the, some of those same conversations and my heart really goes out to our elementary school family supporting yeah. family members yeah. because at least the middle school kids and the high school kids, they can usually do more better troubleshooting than their parents can. But those littles, I mean, it's, I can't even just, even if everything's working, getting them logged in yeah. and to the right spot is a challenge. Yeah. Um, well, and especially starting out a year, I don't, I, I don't remember your school, Jay, I think you guys were either hybrid or virtual, but starting out a year for elementary kids who probably don't know their credentials Yep. Logging into an application with a set of credentials is that's not something they can accomplish until spring semester normally, you know, and now, <laughs> now yeah. the first and second week of school you're at or first day of school, you're asking them to log in and join a zoom or a meet or seesaw event. Uh, just, yeah, the last year, I mean, there's going to be. And normally you have a teacher in a room of 20 something kids or whatever and she's teaching them all how to log in at the exact same time and their hands are going up and she can nip all those tech problems, you know, in 10, 15 minutes. Right. Well, now all those kids are in their houses. Right. Just yeah. with their parents and their guardians and stuff. So you've completely messed that whole thing. So all of those COVID messed that whole thing up. Those 15 calls are coming to your department that you can answer two at a time. Yeah. And that's what we, we use the word triage that whole first, first two weeks of school, yeah. we were, we were, in, it was all triage. I know I was in our help desks inbox most of that week. And pretty much every day we had over a thousand, e thousand emails in queue that we were trying to work down. And we had one person who was just going through and just plucking any, you know, password resets. Yeah. Explicitly that I password sure. reset, password reset, yeah. go, 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 go. go. Yeah. Other person taking like next level of like, all right, something more complicated here. We need this person to start going through these. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were, we were, we were overwhelmed. The parents were overwhelmed. The teachers were overwhelmed and, and we spent a good two, two, maybe even three weeks just trying to get everybody connected. Yeah. Yeah. I, I made the comment this last week. We, we got a bunch of T-Mobile hotspots for free, part of their project 10 million. I, I was talking to somebody in our office this week and I, I held up one of those hotspots. I said, these are going to be consumable products within the next couple of years, because the way the way kids move in and out of districts, they get lost. They get there, and and Chromebooks are going to be the same way. They are yeah. going to be considered a consumable product. They're not going to be considered a fixed asset because one, their cost is relatively cheap. Two hundred bucks, you can buy a Chromebook. But the I don't know your your in and out rate, Jason. But we we've gained I think a hundred kids this year. I don't know how many we've lost, but though that movement you're you're never going to get all of those assets back that that's yeah. that's a, been a, a kind of a, a worry point for me recently um any any closing thoughts that we've chewed up a, almost 40 minutes now 
Um, any closing thoughts, Jason, from the way you see things? No, I, I just, I think I, and this is going to sound sappy and I apologize, but I got to, <laughs> I got to, like, it's where we're at. I got to applaud all the IT departments for school districts across the Missouri, across the nation. Um, everyone I've talked to, you know, everyone's had to step up and everyone has had to come through for their district. Like all of a sudden, all eyes were, you know, March, whatever hit and all eyes were on us. Like, how are we going to do this? Right. And, and most of the districts I've talked to or interacted with, it's have been huge success stories yeah, one and- after the other. And uh, I think it goes to, you know, a lot of times we operate in the background and this has been the year where really we've been on, we have the spotlight on us the entire time, mm-hmm. whether it's from Chromebooks or server infrastructure, or can your network handle half your kids zooming in and out of the classroom? Um, you know, I think we've all done our best to provide education for our kids in a really difficult time. Well, I want to say thanks for coming on, Jason, because I, I think, um, you know, Corey, Chris, and I, our, our schools are relatively small and relatively similar in size. But hearing hearing that that your district, six times larger than my district, saw very, very similar things and struggled with very, very similar things. Yep. It makes yep. makes the smaller districts know, good, we weren't alone. You know, I have three oh, people no. in my department, including me. Chris has, I think, three people in, in his department, including him. We struggled. I don't, how many people do you guys have, Jason? I have about 42 people total. Yeah. So, but we, but we struggled. I mean, it's, it's, it's all scale. Right. So I I think that's really important for, you know, as this year has drug on and as the closure you include last spring this year, as this all has drug on, I know there's, there's been some concern for some IT people of like, you know, I've got to get out, you know, I, I need a change. I've got to get out. This isn't working. I think it's very important to show that really everybody's in the same boat, no matter how well you think your ship is ready for that storm, you got something coming that you have no clue that's coming. Um, and it's important to know that, that you saw the same struggles. You had the same hurdles that, that we all saw. I think mm-hmm. I, that's good to know. That's really, really good to know. Yeah. Chris, hey, any, cool. any, closing I mean, thoughts I just today? think we need to bring up that Corey's probably on probation. Yeah. <laughs> No, he he took a, a. I don't think you. Our handbook, our policy and procedure handbook, says you're not supposed to take a vacation day before a holiday, right, Chris? Yeah, something about he had crying kids and his wife yeah. was shopping or something stupid. Yeah. Let me know where to apply. <laughs> you know, let him know. It's. I mean, you showed up on time. Yeah, you weren't. We couldn't hear you breathing. You didn't interrupt. We couldn't hear you breathing. <laughs> I'll I'll try to do better next time. All right. You didn't. Well, you, didn't you watched your language. <laughs> I don't think Corey's cussed, has he? I think that's probably me. Oh, I'm sure he has. <laughs> Maybe. Um, all right. Well, that I think that's going to do it for episode 16. If you have any topics, next next episode, episode 17, we are going to address a listener's email about what firewall we use and why. Chris, Corey, and I each use different firewalls, so it's going to be interesting to hear that conversation um, and the fights, I'm sure, that will be had over that. Um, but if you have a topic of discussion, shoot an email over to k12techtalk at gmail.com. If you want to be a guest, we might interview you and in, on the show one time when Corey doesn't show up, because I think that's going to be a, a habitual thing. Um, thanks for listening. Share the podcast with your friends. Uh, the more listeners, the better. Uh, have a good Christmas. See you guys.